Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray that the Lord speaks to you as you hear from His Word today. Lead me to the end of myself, to some extent. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about this morning. And then to the question of once we get to the end of ourself, are we ready to leap into what God has next for us? So we're in the middle of our Why sermon series, and I love this question this morning. The question is, why missions? Questions like this get to the very heart of why we get up in the morning. It gets to the very heart of all the decisions we make, the values we place in our life, and the relationships we have in our life. Uh, What I like about this is the reality is that every one of you who have a relationship with the Lord, you are living in a mission field. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, every one of us are living in a mission field. So this sermon, this topic, pertains to every person. It pertains everywhere, and it pertains to us all the time. Uh, If you are on planet Earth and you know Jesus, this sermon has to do with you because you are a missionary as long as you are here until the day you see him face to face, why mission matters to you and it matters to me. So where I'd like to start this morning is to look at Jesus's why, Jesus's purpose. In a couple different verses, he goes into it and tells us with clarity why he came and what his hopes were and what his purpose was in coming. Uh, So Jesus is why. Matthew 20, 28 says this. Jesus, as a son of man, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the son of man, Jesus, didn't show up so people would give him things. He didn't show up on planet Earth to see what he could get out of planet Earth. Jesus showed up, and every morning when he woke up, he thought through and he thought about how he could give himself to others, how he could take parts of who he is and what he has and take care of the people around him to the point of giving everything. It says at the end of that verse that he gave himself as a ransom for us all. He gave us his very life. So this is part of his purpose. He also says in Luke 19.10, for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus came not to be passive, but to be active. The word seek there has direction, it has purpose, it has activity. Jesus showed up to seek those out who didn't know him, to share with them how to come to know him. The message of salvation, he came to actively share with those who don't know him, with those who are lost. So, Did Jesus give us a why? And is our why connected to his? John 20, 21 says this. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So in the same likeness and in the same way that Jesus was sent to serve and to give his life, to wake up every morning thinking through how does he give more of himself to others, he has sent us to do the same. In the same way that Jesus was, and he came to earth to seek out and to share the message of good news, we were sent to do the same. Jesus' why, his purpose is our why. It's our purpose. As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus now sends you and he sends me. He gives us a little bit more clarity here in Matthew 28. Here's the Great Commission. It says, therefore, go and make disciples. 
I'm gonna stop right there first. Out of all those words, the only command, the only imperative that's given to us in those couple sentences are the words, make disciples. It's the centerpiece of the Great Commission. So what is Jesus calling us to do in the Great Commission? Is to make disciples. Everything else there is describing how we make disciples. So therefore go, or therefore as you are going, or while you are going, make disciples of all nations. How do we do that, Jesus? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you, always, to the very end of the age. So according to these verses, making disciples isn't small groups of people sitting in circles and just growing in the knowledge of God's word. It's more than that. Part of making disciples here is by baptizing. And it's also to all nations. So until every place is saturated with the gospel, we're not done making disciples. We are called to be baptizing. So when Jesus says discipleship, even though sometimes the way you and I think, it only is for those who are growing in the faith. When Jesus says discipleship, sometimes the first step is hearing the gospel for the first time and baptizing those who believe. So part of discipleship is sharing the gospel. The second piece there, I don't want you to miss this. It says, by teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. If we're sitting around and we're simply gaining more and more knowledge, but we're not living out what we know, we've missed it. That's not what making disciples is all about. Making disciples and being a Jesus follower means that you're not only hearing what he's told us to do, but you're doing what he's told us to do. So if you have this much head knowledge, but you're only living out this much of it, something's wrong. You might have a big head for Jesus, but a small heart for Jesus. Part of discipleship is doing what we've been called to do. Brother and sister, this is part of that call. We're called to make disciples. So if you know a whole bunch of things, but you're not living your life out to make disciples, that's our next step. That's the thing I want you to walk away with today. So the why that Jesus gives us is to make disciples. Jesus came and he made disciples in the same way he has sent you and me to make disciples. So the question, why missions, is the exact same question to me as why make disciples? Because missions is discipleship making. Missions is discipleship making. It applies anywhere that you go. It applies everywhere that you go. And it applies always in every relationship, no matter where you are. The person across from you, the person beside you, either needs to hear about the love of Jesus or grow in the love of Jesus. Either way, discipleship making is always, always happening. The Jesus's why for your life, is it the same as your why for your life? Jesus says he sent you to make disciples. That's his why for you. That's his purpose for you at the bedrock of who you are. That determines everything about you. But over time, our whys tend to drift. Our whys tend to get a little corrupted. So this morning, I want us to clean those things up a bit. 
I want, to I want us to assess how we're doing and reset ourselves so that our why is the same as Jesus's why. On Tuesday, I was sitting in my car, and <clears throat> maybe I do that more than I should, uh, but I was sitting in my car just thinking, how do, I, how do I motivate myself to live out your why, Jesus? What can I say? How can I motivate people to live out your why? These were the couple things that just popped right into my head. And Lord willing, these are things that motivate you. They do motivate me. One, one reason why I want the why, the why that Jesus gave me to be the why that I embrace is because one, there is no greater message to be shared. There's no greater message. When it comes to disciple making, I have a message, you have a message about what Jesus did for us that is greater than any other story, any other message that anyone has to give anyone. There's a lot of any's in there, huh? Because it's that big of a deal. There is no greater message. Jesus came and died on the cross for you and me. Romans 5.8 clearly communicates it. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, while we were in rebellion to him, while we weren't seeking him out in any way, shape, or form, while we were living our life our own way, with our own purposes, with our own why in mind, while all those things were happening, Christ died on the cross for you and for me. Even if you received Christ 35 years ago, may that message, may that reality touch you in a way that draws a tear to your eye and may it run down your cheek because there is no greater message. That same message that saved you, grows you, and transforms you because it's that powerful. The gospel isn't something we hear and walk away from. We sit at the feet of the gospel and grow from it for the entirety of our lives. There is no greater message to be shared. So Jesus, may your why be my why. My second thought, there's no greater benefit. There's no greater benefit. There's no better message, but there's also no greater benefit. When you're sitting across from someone and you're getting the opportunity to talk a little bit about what Jesus has done for you, and then all of a sudden you see their eyes glimmer and they get it for the first time. And all of a sudden they say, I think I'm ready to make a decision. You've just watched somebody go from spiritually dead to having everlasting life. When people hear this great message, there is great benefit. Now, in their times of sorrow and struggling and suffering, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how painful it gets, there's always hope. The Christian always has hope. Even if this thing in front of me means the end of my life, let's do it, because it only gets better from here. As I spend all of eternity with Jesus, there is no greater benefit than the benefits we receive from knowing Jesus. Jesus, maybe I can buy into your why. Third thought, there's no greater joy. There is no greater joy. To be in a spot where you see people come to know Christ or to be in a spot where you see people come to a greater understanding of how much Jesus loves them as a growing Christian, there is no greater joy than to be in those rooms, in those moments, in those relationships, seeing God work in a brother or a sister. There's no greater joy than that. In Romans chapter 10, verse 15, it says this. How, catch this word, how beautiful 
are the feet of those who bring good news. Think about the person who told you about Jesus. What a beautiful moment that was. When somebody shared with you how to come to know him, there was no greater moment in your life than that moment. How beautiful was that moment? The moment when you get to start going into your circle of acquaintances, circle of friends, your own personal mission field that God has given you, and you have the opportunity to share just a little bit more about the Lord. How beautiful are your feet as you bring good news? Beautiful, blessed, wonderful, joyous are the feet of those who bring good news. So don't miss out. Living your life based upon Jesus's why and purpose for your life will always be far greater than living your life based upon your own why or your own purpose for your life. As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends us to be his witnesses, to live out his message. When I was in high school, <clears throat> I was a part of the cross-country team, and there were probably 40, 50 kids on the cross-country team. And there was me and a couple other Christian guys, and we decided we were gonna start praying for that team. And we were gonna start actively bringing them to events to share the gospel with them and having Bible studies with different people on the team. And over the course of several years, we saw over a dozen kids place their faith in Christ and start growing in Christ. Some of those kids are still pastors today. Some of those kids are still adults with families walking with Jesus today. I remember sitting in my car, again, I said I do that a lot. I remember sitting in my car after one of those meetings and talking to the Lord saying, I was a senior, I don't know what you have for me. I don't know where you're gonna take me. I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. But Lord, here's my request. Would you allow me to be a part of making disciples for the rest of my life, no matter where I am. And since that day, I've done a lot of things. I've delivered pizzas. That was not awesome, but I delivered pizzas. I worked at UPS. I went to Mexico as a missionary for a year. I was a personal trainer for over a decade. I'm now here with you as a pastor. But regardless of whether I'm a pastor, a personal trainer, or a pizza guy, it doesn't matter. I derive just as much joy from any one of those positions or stations of life that God puts me in. Because my goal, my heart, that he gave me a long time ago was just simply to make disciples. And if I can live a life where I get to make disciples, there will be no greater joy for me in this life than being a part of his mission, his purpose, his why for my life. So Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. How? by making disciples. We live out his mission. So that's the why. Let's talk a little bit about the how. Matthew 4:19 says this. Jesus shows up and there's some disciples, well, they're not disciples, they're just fishermen. They don't know Jesus, they're just hanging out. And he looks at them and he says, follow me, follow me. They put down their nets. And then he says, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So what is the how of discipleship here? Step one, we go to people, not pushy, not in some weird aggressive way. We're not gonna thump them with anything, but we say, I'd love for you to follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. This is what it's like for me when I follow Jesus. Sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's real hard. My life still has suffering, but I know he is with me and I have joy in my hardest moments. So I encourage you to follow him. 
And then what Jesus says to him is, I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus says, follow me, a decision is made, and then a process is started. And the process isn't based on how good you do or how good you do. The process is based on Jesus. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. When he says fishers of men, he's basically saying, I will make you a disciple and I will help you become someone who makes disciples of others. And those will make disciples of others and those and on and on and on. You're gonna become a disciple maker. That's his process of growth for us as Christians. He says, follow me. We say, we will. He says, I will make you. And we say, thank you. He says, now you're a person who makes disciples. And we say, with joy, I will. Next part of the how. Acts chapter one, verse eight says this, but you will receive, catch this word, power. You will receive power. Don't just go over that. He says that you are gonna receive God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come into you and live in you and you are gonna have power. In those moments when you're thinking about those people who you're so afraid to talk to, you have that face in your mind right now. You have a little lump in your throat. Maybe your stomach's starting to quiver. When you think about talking to that person about the Lord, remember, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be. It's not, I hope you are. I hope you live like a witness. You already are Jesus' witness. The question is, does your life, does your words, do your actions point to him or not? Because you might be, and I might be a really bad witness, but the question is not, are you a witness? You are, but are we living in such a way? Are we communicating in such a way? Are we loving and serving others in such a way that we're clearly pointing to how awesome Jesus is? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. He was talking to a group of people who were in Jerusalem. He says, you're gonna have power. You're gonna be my witnesses right here. Here's your sphere of influence. Start here. Take the gospel deep and wide. Saturate this place with the gospel. And then as you are going, as persecution pushes you out of Jerusalem, continue to take this message, continue to make disciples in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. It's a concentric circle where it goes farther and farther until everyone knows I've had guys before come up to me and ask me, Mike, do you think God is calling me to be a missionary? And when they say that, they're meaning go someplace else to be a witness, to go someplace else to share the gospel. And we have to do that. But what I'll usually ask the person is I'll say, how are you doing at being a missionary in your neighborhood? How are you doing at being a missionary where you work and in your circle of influence? with the acquaintances you have in your life. And you would not believe how often I'm told, well, I'm not really very good at that, but once I move to France or Brazil or some other country, then I'm really gonna go for it. I usually will tell them, I don't think you're ready. I honestly don't think you're ready to take that next step. Because right now, you know how to do your laundry. You know where to get groceries. You understand the language. This is the easiest moment you have to be a witness with clarity and consistency in your circle of influence. 
I've gone to another country. It takes all day to do your laundry. It's so hard when you come home from the grocery store and you're like, they didn't have anything that I wanted. Like, it's so much harder. If you can't be a missionary in your circle of influence in a culture that you're used to, you're probably not gonna be one in a culture you're not used to. I know lots of missionaries. It's really easy on the mission field to just be a good Christian living in another country on someone else's expense. That's not the type of missionary Jesus has called us to be. So everyone is a missionary. Every day, you and I are missionaries. Something to write down. We are everyday missionaries. We are everyday missionaries. You are and I am. Everywhere, every day, we are missionaries. Our Jerusalem, our Jerusalem, right now, our Jerusalem is Charleston, the surrounding areas, and the valley. We are a particular church in a particular place at a particular time. And in this city and in this area, there's a unique brokenness. And you know what it is. You've heard the statistics. We are uniquely broken. There are things that are plaguing the city and plaguing this area that aren't in the same capacity, in the same way, messing up other cities. But with that unique brokenness, we have unique opportunity to demonstrate and to communicate Christ's love in those broken places. If the churches in Charleston, I want you to hear this. I'm not gonna just like shout really loud for you to hear me. I'm just, I want you to hear this. If the churches in Charleston do not saturate this city with the gospel, no one else will. There's no church in Louisville thinking, wow, I sure hope we can saturate Charleston with the gospel. There is no church in another city trying to strategize and think through and pray for your city and your town and your area. There's no other church doing it. If we don't go for it, it doesn't get done. And there's no backup plan or plan B for God's church. God has committed this to his church. If it doesn't happen through his church, it doesn't happen. We're a particular church in a particular place at a particular time in history. He's called us here. This is our Jerusalem. We've been called to saturate here. We have two stools up here today. Uh, as we're thinking about outreach, as we're thinking about missions, we have several people in our church who are committed to helping drive this thing forward. Michelle Thompson, who I'd love to have you come up and join me, is one of those. I would like you to get to know her. So we're gonna do a little bit of an interview up here and we're gonna talk about what it looks like right now to go deeper with the gospel in the city of Charleston. Uh, Michelle comes in every day with a crazy amount of energy. I mean, she's kind of like our Bible Center Energizer Bunny. Uh, always has a smile on her face. I'll get an email from her at 10, 10 p.m., 5 a.m. Like, she's always going after it. Uh, and as Michelle is going into the city, she's trying to decide who we partner with. What's our next step? How do we make decisions? Uh, Michelle, how would you explain that to them? How are we making decisions on who we partner with? The main thing we try to remember is our goal. Our goal is to share the radical love of Jesus Christ with our city through our works and our words. We want to do that in partnership because we can do it better with others than we could do it alone. Um, our financial partners are all ministries who share the same goal of sharing the gospel with the city. But we also partner with a lot of organizations where we can relationally be present. We can volunteer. We can be there. They don't need our money necessarily. They need 
us. And one of the greatest joys I've found as I've begun partnerships in the city is I've formed friendships with the leaders and the directors of some of these agencies, and God has placed such a burden on my heart for them. And I hope they see me following Jesus and someday decide to do the same themselves. That's awesome. Uh, when Michelle comes in, she always has this, this burning desire to make disciples, to see people grow and to see people reached in the city. Uh, we're talking about whys today, Michelle. Like, how is Jesus' why affecting our why? What, what's your why? What gives you the passion that you have and the motivation that you have? Well, you've done such a great job of covering it today. Like, you, yes, I just wanted to sit down there saying, yes, preach it, preach it. Um, our why, my why, the main one sounds so simple, but it's Jesus. God's love through Jesus Christ is life-changing. And, you know, I, I accepted Christ when I was seven, so I've been following Jesus for a long time and have always loved him and wanted to serve him with my life. But a few years ago, as our youngest son started to head toward college, I started thinking, God's calling me to something deeper. He's calling me to more, and what is it? And you hear about the foster crisis, and we started doing foster parenting. Um, you know, you can often, especially I'm a glass half full girl, so you can like vision, like I'll change people's lives. And within a week after having a certain child in my home, I had had a shoe thrown at my face and hit me in the cheekbone as a child screaming, I hate you at me. And I thought, you know, we had been trained not to take that personally. It's trauma. Trauma affects children and us so deeply. But um, that is the day. And I've known Romans 5, 8. I grew up in Awana. God demonstrates his love to us while we're still sinners. But when you've got a little sinner in front of you and you think, this child just shrieked, I hate you at me. And the love that you can feel for them, it's something that's so powerful. God loved us while we were throwing shoes at his face, while we were still sinners. There's a whole city of people out there who God loves that much. And if that does not drive us, we don't have the right motivation. And uh, between that and the fact that God is on the move in this city, and you know, I do, I get super excited. I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but God is doing stuff. So every morning I wake up at, I don't even know, 4.30, I can't sleep. My mind's already going. Like, God is doing stuff, and I can't wait to get here and read my email and get the phone calls because people are calling us now, and that is an exciting thing that, yes, drives me. That's awesome. In your bulletin, you had a piece of paper with Michelle's picture on it and then a whole bunch of other pictures. Michelle, who, who's your crew there? Actually, these are my co-laborers. I know now why Paul wrote about his co-laborers in the Bible. When you stand shoulder to shoulder with someone and serve God in the trenches, it does something to your heart. And the thing about the leadership team is I didn't know a year ago that any of these people would be on here. Neither did they. But it became apparent to me so quickly that I could not do everything that needed to be done on my own, nor did God gift me that way. And when I look at these faces, I think about how broad our skills are and their talents. Some of them do things that I cannot do. Our, between our gifts and our college degrees, we're very diverse, but they can help us accomplish so much. And they each have a team of people under them. So there's an army of people in this church that are serving our city, and that just excites me so much. That is awesome. I've had a chance to get to know some of them, and they're on fire for sharing the gospel and doing just what we've been talking about this morning. Uh, Michelle, if there's one thing that we could walk away with, what would you want to encourage them to do or to change or to think about? Join us. Come, let's do it together. 
We have the Maybe Serve information. I'll be out at the Maybe Serve table in the lobby afterward. If you haven't yet found your why or found that special niche where you fit, come and let us help you. Let us help you find a way to serve. One of the easy starting points is Maybe Serve. There's 21, 24 projects, I think, in here, as well as our school students, our middle schoolers, will be doing six different projects on a Friday coming up. So if you see something in here that you're even slightly interested, come and join us, come and do it. And if there's something that you know you could be really, really good at, but it's not listed, would you send me an email or call me? Because if you look on the back of this one, there are blanks. There are ministries that we want to start that we don't have anyone to lead. And I am confident there are ministries I have not yet thought of or someone on my team hasn't that you might have in your mind. So contact us, get involved, do something. Awesome. Thank you, Michelle. Give her a hand. <clears throat> So Michelle will be stationed right out there at the wall, right over here on this side. So if you wanna ask her questions or get involved, please stop by and check that out. So everything I said before about our Jerusalem is true. If we don't go for it, nobody will. But there's also the reality that there are countries and people groups all around the world where there is nobody going for it. There is no active church. So the world needs us to make disciples here in Charleston, here at Bible Center, and send them to those people groups and to send them to those nations because otherwise there is no active witness in some countries and people groups all around the world. So we're asking God to begin to do that. So over the course of the last year and a half to two years, we have tried to make making disciples the standard expectation for every one of our global partners, every missionary that we support. We don't wanna just support people who are good Christians living in other countries, though we're thankful for them. We wanna put our money behind people who are doing what Jesus said, making disciples. So there has been a intentional recentering around discipleship making and a renewed effort to have relationships where there's accountability of raising up laborers and making disciples. Uh, Ted Tanzi, who's on his way up, has been leading us through that process. Uh, Ted does so many things, he leads our Celebrate Recovery. Ted is one of our, he's our counseling pastor. He runs one of our biggest small groups. He's kind of everywhere doing everything. He was back here jamming with us just a little bit ago. Um, so Ted, thank you for thank you, all that you do. Um, Ted, I mentioned it a little bit, but can you summarize for us how we decide who we partner with in global missions? Absolutely, Mike. It's, it's, a, it's been a great process to think this through, pray it through and get it down. First of all, we wanted to develop a mission and a vision for our global, global partners and our global ministry. So I wanna show you a couple of slides. Our mission is this, to glorify God by producing maturing followers of Jesus around the world. To glorify God, producing more maturing followers of Jesus around the world. And here's our vision, to be a church engaged in fulfilling the great commission through praying, partnering, and going. Praying, partnering, and going. I wanna talk a little bit about our, our partnering for a moment. We have what we call our five-star global partners. And this is a, this is a way of, of synthesizing all of our global partners down and saying, are we supporting them as we should? Are we coming alongside them as we should? And are they doing what they said they're, they're, they're doing? Are they making disciples of Jesus? Number one, first part of a five-star global partner is the same team. Alignment with Bible Center Church's purposes and beliefs. We wanna make sure we're aligned in our practices. Number two is this, impacting unreached and forgotten people groups and cities. The same mission. 
We have a world that needs to know the saving news of Jesus Christ, and, and, and we want to partner with people that are in the trenches doing that. Third, third point of our five-star global partners is this, producing more maturing indigenous followers of Jesus. If you're in Zimbabwe, we want you to reach people in Zimbabwe. If you're in Brazil, we want you to reach people in Brazil and to start making disciples of them. Another one is this, clear gospel-driven objectives with measurable efforts and results. I'm one-on-one contact with uh, our global partners on a monthly basis, but most of them, some of them on a weekly basis. And we just have a, a time of checking back and forth with each other, seeing how we're doing, praying for each other. But we want to make sure that, that we want to make sure that your dollars, our dollars, God's dollars here at Bible Center Church are spent making disciples for Jesus. The last one is this, a high contact and long-term growing relationship. The same family. We just don't want to go a mile wide in our global missions program here at Bible Center. We want to go a mile deep with our partners. I would love for the day when we would have uh, groups adopting our global partners and say, this is my global partner. We're going to pray for them. And we're going to send teams from our group to this area of the world because of our relationship with our global partners. Great. Awesome, Ted. Uh, So I didn't tap Ted on the shoulder and say, hey, would you be willing to take on this global thing for me? Uh, Ted came to me and Ted's like, Mike, I've got a passion for this. I wanna see the gospel go forth in all nations. Can I please take on extra responsibility with no extra pay and lead the charge globally? What drives you to do that? What's your why behind that? My why is, is it's very simple, and I want to share it in the form of a story. A, a good friend of mine, one of my mentors, a guy by the name of Sam Caldwell, retired from the U.S. military in the 1990s, and the, the federal government uh, sent him to school, sent him to seminary, actually, and he was at Denver Theological Seminary. And Sam shared this with me. He said, Ted, every day for the last, at this time, 25 years, but every day in my life, I prayed that Jesus would allow me to see the people that I come in contact with through his eyes. Allow me to see people, Jesus, through your eyes. Sam shared the story that as he was getting off at work real early in the morning in Denver, and he crested the city of Denver, and he looked out and saw all the myriad of lights over the whole entire city. He began to cry. He said, Ted, that's when God got my heart That's when God got my heart to see people through his eyes. So Sam challenged me to pray that. Ted, pray this prayer every day. Jesus, let me see people through your eyes. Now, how does Jesus see people? Our Lord is compassionate, isn't he? He's loving, isn't he? He's forgiving, he's healing, he's serving. That, that is my why. My why is that Jesus enabled me to get a spark for the world because I want to see the world through Jesus' eyes. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Ted. Um, Ted, is there anyone you want to introduce us to? Any global partners you want to like highlight? I, I have two, two quick ones. Uh, first picture I want to show you up here is uh, uh, the woman in the middle, her name was Christy Page. Her, her maiden name is Han Shu. She was a uh, middle schooler and high schooler here at Bible Center Church. And the, yin, the then youth director, Peter Faulkner, pastor, uh, took Christy under his wing and invited her to a Word of Life camp. And she's been serving in Word of Life since she was a teenager. She met her husband at camp. Her name is, his name is John Page. And they live in Johannesburg, South Africa. And they are the country uh, uh, directors for Word of Life in, in South Africa. Also, 
they're starting a work in Zimbabwe as a result. These guys are our, our five-star global partners. They get it. They're making disciples. Matter of fact, John and I are in communication every week. Every week we're sending each other something back and forth. Five-star global partners, and we want to go deeper with them. Next one is Dr. Miriam Wheeler. Uh, she's the lady in the white there. This picture was taken in February of 2017 in Odessa, Ukraine. And Dr. Wheeler was the medical director uh, for uh, uh, ABWE in the country of Ukraine. And, and those of us in the West don't really pay attention to the news much when it concerns the East, but there's a war going on between Russia and Ukraine over the Crimea area and various other things. What Dr. Wheeler has done is she's gone and set up medical clinics and all the refugee camps of the people that have been displaced throughout the war. And she was so good at this that the ABWE headquarters promoted her. She is now the medical, international medical director of one of the largest mission agencies that we support here at Bible Center Church. And she's going to go all over the world. She is a five-star global partner. I want to go partner with more people like these and go deeper with them, Mike. That's wonderful. These are great people to be associated with, great people to support. Uh, what's one thing that you have for us today to walk away with? I'm going to challenge me again and all of us with the same thing that my friend Sam Caldwell challenged me with. What would it look like if each one of us would pray this prayer every day? Jesus, the people that I come in contact with today, let me see them through your eyes. Let me see them through your eyes. That means the guy that cuts me off in traffic or the person, the clerk at the 7-Eleven that's short with me. God, allow me to see that person and those people through your eyes. What would it look like if all of us were intent on that and we all become five-star partners and members of Bible Center Church, being of the same team, the same mission, the same purpose, the same work, and the same family? That's my challenge to me and that's my challenge to all of us. Cool. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it, man. All right, this is where we drill down. This is where we land the plane. How are you doing? How am I doing with our why? Our why tends to drift. Our why tends to get corrupted. Our why tends to get kind of involved with selfish desires and selfish wants. How are we doing? How many times throughout the day are you thinking about making disciples? When it comes to deciding where you live, where your kids go to school, how you spend your resources, how you don't spend your resources, all the major decisions in your life, is making more disciples a part of those decisions? How does it influence your prayer life? Are you praying for the people in your circles of influence? We believe God is starting to poke us and to prod us and to encourage us to start praying that he would use us and churches that love the gospel to begin to saturate this city with the gospel, giving each and every person an attractive, clear, understandable presentation of all Jesus did for them. We're asking him to begin to do that. The only way this is possible the only way this happens is if each one of us begin living life as everyday missionaries in our circles of influence. We will never saturate the city unless you and you and you and you saturate your circle of influence with the gospel. Now, I know for many of you when, you, when that face popped in your mind or that name or that person who scares you to share the gospel with, that shares, scares you to get into a spiritual conversation with them, you think, there's no way I can do it, Pastor Mike. 
Let's be reminded of this because Jesus told his disciples this in the Great Commission in his last words. All power in heaven and on earth have been given to Jesus. All power, whatever the situation is, wherever you are, whoever you're talking to, Jesus has your back and he has the authority over what's happening in you and around you. He also says, and lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So as you're living life as an everyday missionary in your circles of influence, all the power you need, he's got it. He's got your back and he's there with you every step of the way and every word that you speak, he is there with you. So the question is, will we think, pray, fight and act like everyday missionaries? Will you let your why be the same as Jesus's why? As the father sent Jesus, Jesus has sent you. Let's pray for his help. Father, we can't do this without you. In fact, we can do nothing without you. So Lord, call us back to making disciples. Allow us to be a simple, pure church when it comes to intentionality and purpose and our why for getting up in the morning. May we be thinking about the people that need to hear about you throughout the day and those who need to grow in you throughout the day. Grow us, change us, allow us to live as everyday missionaries, in Christ's name. As the ushers come forward, uh, we're gonna be doing our time of giving and tithes and offerings. I just wanna remind you, and even just maybe reassure you, more and more we're asking the question about every ministry, every dollar we spend, every person we support, are they making disciples? This whole idea of making disciples is determining all the decisions we're making. If the things that we're doing are not attached to the gospel and the spread of the gospel, we're gonna stop doing them. So as you give, give with generous hearts knowing that we're doing the best that we can to make sure every dollar is going towards making disciples in Charleston, the Valley, and around the world. Let me quickly pray for our hearts and I'll give you time to give. Lord, give us generous hearts. Allow us to be everyday missionaries in the way that we give and support your mission. May we give with generosity. May we give with joy. Uh, for those who you've put it on their hearts to give this last week to the all in, may we even give now to that. In Christ's name and for your glory, amen. Once again, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to serving you in next week's podcast, along with our weekend services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m.